Hi, this is Matt Parker, author of A Radical Enterprise, and you're listening to the Agile Uprising podcast. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hersko. Once again, we're back for another episode. So this week, uh, we have a two special guests, actually, the hosts of the Transformation Simulation podcast. We have Miss Alicia Yannick. We do. We do. <laughs> and her partner, who I'm really hoping I don't butcher his last name, Nathan Chawilau Ashe. Oh, that was great, Jay. Holy shit, I got that You got right. it. Uh, Public apologies to uh, Joshua Karievsky, whose name I butcher every chance I get. So first of all, I want to thank you both for joining us. So before we go into the show, I want to give you a chance to actually introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, um, a little bit of the bio, you know, ego flaunting stuff. And I'm going to start with you, Alicia, which I know makes you very uncomfortable. But here it we does. Are. I was going to say, you're going to start with Nathan, right? <laughs> I don't want to go first. Uh I hate this part. I should have just given you talking points so I didn't have to do this. I don't even know how to describe what I've been doing. So in 2004, I went to a little training by Ken Schwaber on something called Scrum and I didn't want to go and I rolled my eyes into the back of my head and I was probably a fussy pants for the first day or so. And I walked out and thought this could work. And that was that. And it was, I mean, it sounds really simplistic, but it evolved over time. And I've worked for small companies and big companies, and I've had important titles, I suppose, where I led transformations and led teams and led teams of teams. And through it all, what's been most important to me is the values and principles that I think fall under the Agile umbrella and the things I've learned and the stories I get to share. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. How about you, Nathan? All right. Uh, like Alicia, I get a little nervous whenever I have to introduce myself. Um, I think uh, my Agile journey uh, started about 10, 12 years ago. I was on a team at a company and we really needed to find a new way to work. And me and another colleague were tasked with finding that way and we stumbled into Scrum. And we bootstrapped it. And um, ended up over a 10-year period, I worked about every role on a scrum team, did a small, uh, led a small transformation of transformation of a department, a marketing department uh, to Agile. Um, and I, unlike Alicia, where uh, she has all that nimble expertise with small companies, <clears throat> So I've only much worked for shit. So no, much really. Shit is I'm about just, to come out. Well, no, from from an agile perspective, I've never worked for a small company. I've only worked for That's big true. companies. We talked about that. Yeah. I have only worked in these big matrix organizations that are silo that don't talk to each other, where all these things go on. So, uh, the two of us together bring a, I think an interesting dynamic because she has both the big company and large company experience. I have the large company experience. And, um, you know, we have a lot of fun working together. But I will say the one thing that usually when I'm asked to introduce myself, I didn't do it this time, but I usually say, I'm Nathan, you might call me an Agilist. I have a whole bunch of certifications that are supposed to mean that I can help you be Agile. The truth is they don't mean jack shit. I am here to help you be better. 
at whatever your better is. And that's usually how I kind of introduce myself when I go into. Except you don't say jack shit when you go into companies. Don't be acting like you do. Well, I usually Mm-mm. say, Mm-mm. I'm here to fucking help you, you with never your shit. <laughs> You're such a liar. I've always wanted to, my tagline is, I've always wanted to say, hi, my name is Jay. Like Nathan, I have all these certs. What I'm really here to do is help you unfuck yourself. That's what I've always wanted to say. That is I like that. I love that. (laughs) Do you think there's a time and a place that we can actually say that? Because that would be awesome. Honestly, it would take it would take two written books, a couple of conference keynotes, and enough name cachet that you could walk in and get away with it. Like we were we before we were recording, we were talking about Dave Snowden, who's a known curmudgeon, right? We're all big Dave Snowden fans. He can get away with being that way because he has that reputation he has that not even it not even brand but that is part of his brand he is a a smart guy who can be a little bit confrontational because he's confident and he's established that i think is what it comes down to when you have the money that you don't care if they throw you out or not i think that's when that happens maybe that's when i'll know i'm a grown-up when i I can walk in and say that i have enough gray hair to help you fuck yourself if you want to listen awesome if you don't i'll move on that's a great way to leave a job Hey, I've been here. Um, (laughs) I have helped you unfuck yourself. It's been great. Bye. Shows at six and ten. Try the veal. Tip your waitress. So <laughs> never try the veal. Never. never oh yeah, the yeah. tofu, the tofurkey, tofurkey. The tofurkey. So, yeah. so let's talk about your show because your show is is uh, an, different than ours, right? So you have transformation simulations in the show. You've done two separate seasons, and it's an interesting mix of scripted and and dialogue where there's a scripted part of it, but there's also the the healthy conversation around the script that you just followed. So I'm going to start off with the easy, low-hanging fruit question of, well, where did this idea come from? The the younger one. (laughs) It's the younger by like two weeks or something. Yeah, it's like two months. (laughs) Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, It came from Nathan, actually. Nathan, let me tell this story because I was thinking about this today. And then Nathan, you can correct me when I'm wrong or you can just find a place when I'm wrong so you feel good about yourself. So what happened was we were working together at a company with a gaggle of coaches and Nathan, um, or or I have another phrase for what a group of coaches is, but I'm pretty sure that's- It's an argument. Yeah, no, no, it's just a bag of dicks is what it is. So, So Nathan and I are working at a company and- we didn't work on the same initiative, but we worked in the same group. They were like, let's call it 20 something. And Nathan tosses out, I think, to a small group of us, a little email on the side that says, hey, I'm, I'm thinking of doing a podcast. Wouldn't, I'd like it if you all join me. And he, he, Nathan's pretty organized. So he said, who wants to sign up for what episode, blah, blah, blah. And no, no way on God's green earth would this kid have put her voice across the waves if it weren't for Nathan. So I am imminently thankful for the opportunity he gave me because I, there's just, I wouldn't have had the courage. I wouldn't have thought I had anything to say despite never being able to shut my mouth. I just, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't have taken that risk. It would have been too much for me. And what happened, Jay, was everybody kind of bailed and I was the one who hung in there. So he got stuck. (laughs) And and then we finished out our first 
season and he sent me a gift certificate for shoes. So I signed up for a second season. <laughs> That's how we ended up with two seasons. Click, click a slate, a woman's heart to her feet. Okay. I didn't okay. know that worked. I'm so glad it did. You knew it worked. Because um, he said no pressure, but hey, <laughs> want to do season two. So really, I was the last man standing of everybody else he invited. And here we are. And then you we know. dubbed ourselves the Agile Twins because we're so we're so very much alike. <laughs> so I don't know if you heard our intro where Nathan calls us the Agile Twins. Like he's a foot taller than I am. I think he weighs weigh more than I do. More than she does. Yeah, hundred yes. more pounds. I happen to not be a male. Our skin color is different. Uh, we were born two months apart, but I think we found that we it was we're a little bit like puzzle pieces. We're very different. We have our uniqueness about us, but we fit in a way that makes a better picture when we talk about things together. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you two have opposite experiences in this crazy world that we work in, which actually does fit together where you're, uh, you know, Nathan was talking about, Alicia, you've had a lot of experiences with startups and smaller type companies and that, that truly um, unique you know, micro footprint where Nathan has, has been in some of the same trenches I have, where it's all big enterprises. The left hand doesn't right. even know, doesn't even know that there's a concept of a right hand, let alone that there is one, let alone that there's people over there. So I can see where those two differing perspectives and experience can kind of layer in to make a fully formed, fully formed cake. Nathan, yeah. did I describe it right? Am I, was that revisionist oh, yeah. history? Okay. Well, it's, it's, I think it's revisionist history from your perspective. I'll, I'll give you a quick perspective from my, from, from my take. I wanted to start a podcast. I sent out an invitation, just like Alicia said, to a bunch of coaches. And um, from my perspective, the, the truth is, uh, Alicia and I clicked and I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't click as well with the other coaches. The other coaches, um, no offense to them, they know who they are. They're probably going to listen to this and say, oh, Nate, what are you talking about me? But anyway, you know, they're good. You know, um, Alicia was comfortable bootstrapping it, just talking and being herself. And I thought that, you know, when you say you're going to do a podcast and release it to the world, there's some people who want it to be completely polished and I'm totally okay with it. Just it all podcasts are people talking. I mean, we're all sitting at home right now. Um, it looks like Alicia's drinking wine, but she's not. I mean, everybody's comfortable mm -hmm. and we're, we're doing this talk. We can't, we can't be that polished. And so Alicia and I just clicked and I'm thankful for it. And um, it ended up weeding down to the two of us. I'll say. And um, I'm, I'm really happy for that. She's been a great partner. She's uh, the brains in this organization, in this partnership. Oh it's true. She's the brains. She gets top billing. If you ever hear us mention, <laughs> it is always Alicia and Nathan. It is never Nathan and Alicia. And you know why you do that? Because I'm older. Because then you follow but, it up with age before beauty. So don't you, don't be gracious. Well, you've got the experience. You've got the what, experience. What, okay, so you, enough like smoke up my skirt. What was really you got interesting, the mind, the intellect. You've got uh -huh, it. Come uh -huh, on. I got yeah. I, I got it all going on, brother. That's right. I got it all going on. <laughs> but what's really interesting, Jay, to me was I find it difficult. 
I find it sometimes difficult to collaborate with a group of coaches or with even even with another person because collaboration is really personal. You're letting your guard down. You're just absolutely checking out your ego. We use that we throw around that word vulnerability, but real collaboration mm -hmm. is just a kind of a nakedness, if you will, of your ideas and your thought processes. And I'm I'm pretty sloppy up front because I just I use sticky notes and Nathan doesn't and I don't I'm not polished like he is and and it's and it's rough. But what we found was particularly on season two. So season two, we actually wrote a script, a whole script for the season. And it got to be where we can't necessarily tell now who who wrote who wrote. I should drink more. Who wrote which script? Because our we mm -hmm. started to blend. And I thought that I use that example for collaboration all the time. That's one of the best examples of collaboration I can come up with, which it wasn't Nathan saying, Alicia, I think we should do this. Excuse me. And it wasn't, you might want to edit that out. You might not. And it wasn't me saying, Nathan, I think we should do this. You really can't necessarily tell who wrote what. Which is also a sign of two people who are simpatico and on that same wavelength, right? We talked, you talked about collaborating between two people is very difficult. There's that whole concept of the, the third entity in a conversation. So there's me and there's you, and then there's our relationship, which mm -hmm. is that third entity. And mm -hmm. in service of that, that third entity sometimes is, is a bit of a bear. And but the getting... third entity is where the power is, Jay. True. Yes. I think, much. Nathan, what do you think? I I'm do, thinking uh, of season two for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I think our there was definitely a relationship there. There was trust. Um, I understood. The interesting thing is uh, we worked together a little bit in, in our day jobs, of course. Just we I don't think we were assigned together yet. Mm -mm. Um, but I'd seen enough. Oh, actually, we were assigned on the same team for a while when you came to Charlotte. Oh, right. That was just for a smidgy smidge of time. Right. Wasn't it? That's right. Um, but I saw how she worked. Um, and I'll be honest with you. I, I, you know, I prefer to work with people who are comfortable, um looking sloppy along the way now alicia sat here and she has lied to you people and told you folks and i'm all organized <laughs> and everything looks good my shit is sloppy all the way through i mean it is it's just and and that's the way it should be that's what change is i coach change i coach chaos i try to bring things to order i should be the sloppiest looking thing coming to you and saying this is it you know everything i do should look like a workshop it shouldn't look like some polished, you know, presentation. So okay, I'm calling bullshit because remember the damn. first time we worked together and I sent you pictures of my handwritten sticky notes and you made fun of me because <laughs> you had your shit all organized in a Google Doc. So don't be at, mm -mm, mm -mm, I'm calling bullshit right here, right now. There's there's a there's an honesty, though, with with the quote unquote sloppiness, right? There's an honesty. You can there. tell when. You can tell when someone's actually working something out and you can tell when they're they're more interested in the, the repartee and the conversation going back and forth and the ideas bouncing around in the room, then I need to make sure this is fully double spaced and left indented and all that. There's there's a there's an I guess almost an intellectual honesty, I guess, in being a little bit of a mess because it's like, oh, you, you can see, oh, I can see myself in that person. But we're yeah. always supposed to be working something out. 
given what we do, if I come to the table with a recipe, you should tell me to go sit and spin on it. Right. Because that's, mm -hmm. it, that's not the way this works. That means I'm just rinsing and repeat. It's just a rinse and repeat game for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't yeah. think change is ever a rinse and repeat game. No, no. There was uh, in the new, we just interviewed him, uh, Joshua Karabsky book. He talks about, he talks about the idea of working something out as a stand-up comic and how Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle were living in New Jersey at one point. And you could go to the comedy factory in New Brunswick and Chris Rock would get up on stage and he would bomb for 40 minutes but he would bomb because he's working things out. He's trying to find the vibe, trying to find where, okay, maybe the punchline didn't land, but the setup was good. And again, I, I guess if there's a lesson for any of the listeners is be comfortable without everything. Not everything needs to be perfect all the time. You can yeah. show some of the, some of the wrinkles and some of the, some of the thought process behind it, because that's where some of the artists, you know, Nathan, we were talking about music before we started. And I, I like a lot of very fast, very extreme stuff. And the big trend now is you record it and you snap it to a grid in Pro Tools and everything is perfectly lined up. And there's no, there's no, there's no, um, what's sort of over here? It's not organic at all. Right. Right. Like some of the best musicians, you can hear them on record where they, they come off the beat and they go back on. They yeah. start up, they slow down and they speed up. And it's just them trying to, you know, keep pace. That makes it interesting to listen to. But when everything is so clean and mechanical and just and and sterile, I guess is a, is the best adjective. It kind of loses its effectiveness. It doesn't resonate if it's too clean. Yeah, and I think and uh, I totally agree with you from a music standpoint. Um, real quick, I right now I'm in a place where I don't listen to anything that's polished. So like Spotify has these great playlists that you can listen to where you can hear finger noise, you can hear musicians go off off key, there's these experimental playlists. But um, to take us back into agile, I think that whole polished aspect of, you know, I have to present well, I have to know what I'm doing is one of the main reasons that um, our transformations or our adopting of new ways to work fails for the people who are trying to implement it because they come in and they feel like everything should be polished and we need to have a plan and we need to know this and who's in charge of this who's responsible and the real case is it needs to look like shit while it's going while it's taking place we are in we are always going from here from somewhere we're here for a moment and we're pointing to somewhere and that looks ugly all the way through sometimes there's no way to make that look good mm -hmm. and um businesses they don't they don't like that they you know um so well, it's, you know. it's not a it's not a dressed up trust up powerpoint right <laughs> i think that has done the shirts and certs movement coupled with the over commodification sales of we can you know i'm all shy but i could transform your company for 49.95 that those two things put together have really cut really done what we try to do with disservice because it sets the wrong expectation i'm going to have this this guy or gal come in and they're going to be dressed up and they're going to have all these smooth powerpoints with animations and slides and we're going to do this framework and it's going to all just clip together and then you then you do that first sprint and you're like well this is nothing like what I, this is nothing like what they said it was going to be. And that, you know, you set the expectation here, you end up down here, you're fighting an uphill battle for the, for the remainder of the effort. Yeah. Remaining the effort. So let, let's talk about transformation. So you, you two, when you sat down to do your show, you specifically wanted to talk about the idea of transformation. Why? 
why that topic as opposed to the 9,000 other things you could have chosen in this agile plethora? Well, Alicia's not saying anything, so I think this I need to step out here first. Okay. Um, it's you know, that's interesting. Um I I can say now that I, I've never had that question asked to me. You know, the, the show, our podcast is called Transformation Simulation. And I don't know if we ever thought of doing anything else. Um I will I, I will say that that the thing that really the main reason I wanted to do the podcast was for simulations to talk through real situations where teams, organizations, peoples, groups, whatever, were trying to transform and having trouble with it. Um, I think the word transformation got thrown in there because that's what we were doing at the time. And it rhymes with simulation. <laughs> Hey, whatever works, whatever yeah. works. I think, Matt, that was a couple of years, that was a few years ago. I've slept a few times since then, but I think also, Jay, we wanted to talk about the messy bits. And the way to talk about the messy bits was to draw upon our experiences and create fictional simulations of those experiences and then have a conversation about it. And transformation is nothing if not messy. I think it's worth noting that season three, which we thoughtfully paused on purpose, I guess that's what thoughtful means. That was redundant. Um, because we decided that the way the industry approaches transformations doesn't work. And we didn't have anything else to talk about around that other than it doesn't work. And so we hit pause and said, now what? And we're wrestling through now what, Jay? Mm -hmm. What what do we have to say that is valuable? Because just saying, hey, capital A, capital T, agile transformations doesn't work. Good luck, folks. But there's not a lot of conversation around that. And so we have paused season three to figure out what is valuable to talk about. Yeah. And we don't have an answer yet. And I you touched on an interesting point because you could go either way. You could go into the, hey, I want to bash XYZ, which is basically a cottage industry now. Just sign into LinkedIn and search for hashtag agile. Oh, eight out of it's 10 nasty. posts. Uh, eight out of 10 posts is someone complaining about Scrum, someone yeah. complaining about safe, someone complaining about story points. It's like, how long are we going to have the same conversation? Right. Um, so that's the one half. Or the other half is the consultancy, no offense, any consultants, the glossing over. Yeah. Oh, well, you just have to do this and, and the hand waving play. and then you wave your yeah. hands yeah <laughs> hand waving slides you know right. you know sassafras and then all it's, it's all done you know it's you know, spirit patronus here comes harry potter with the wand um and i don't even know what spell i just said but it's not and like you said it, they, they don't follow the script they're, they're not they don't really work at that scale at that size and i'm what why if you if you were if you were we were sitting in a rocking chair at age 80 okay nathan i'll start with you you're sitting in a rocket chair at age 80 and someone comes up and says, Hey, Nathan, you know, you used to do this show on agile transformations and, and some of the literature now it talks about how transformations didn't work. What, why was that? What is the book not telling us? What would you say? I would, the only answer I would give is that we, we didn't take the time to transform the people or to, um, 
challenge the people in the changing really the way they think and feel about their work. We just came in and gave them a framework, a methodology, a set of meetings they should attend and expected something to happen. Even worse, we came in with a project plan for an ad transformation. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I I love the whole not not being agile about your agile. Uh, right. the, what, probably one of, if not the best coach of our work with my mentor told me, you know, this is a lot like gardening. You're kind of like Johnny Appleseed in the sense that you're running around and you're throwing seeds everywhere. Well, this is what could be. This is what could be. This is what could be. And some people it hits and it falls to the ground and some people it hits and it germinates and it grows. And I think the reason why we encounter such difficulty is we're not realistic with our expectations. And the biggest expectation we're not realistic in is time because anybody can change. It could take a month, a day, a year, a lifetime. But I mean, when I go into quantum physics, we're all changing right now, right? There is no is it's everything is becoming, but we're unrealistic in our expectations when we say, Oh, it'll only take 18 months or that's not, you're painting the wrong picture. You're only going to disappoint you. I went first last time. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, it, you know, realistically, it takes a while. I mean, and um, lately I'm in a place where I, I really think that um, transformations take as long as it takes the person to accept the change and kind of see their work and their role in a different way. And that could take a year, that could take three years. Realistically, sometimes that could take five years if you're that patient. Um, so it, it can take a while. Um, I, I'm working, I'm working with, um, I'm working with a person now who is um, not that welcoming of change. I've worked with this person for a year. This person is a one plus one always equals two. Transformations one plus one does not equal two. Mm -hmm. it, it can equal four, it could equal 0.5 or whatever the case is. But this person I've been working with, one plus one always adds up to two. And even though we've been working together for a year in a transformation, they're, they've had a number of sprints, they're working with all these different agile people, one plus one still has to equal two for them. So the, the other part of that is I think that we haven't accounted for, there's just some personalities that aren't going to, you know, that have to have this kind of structured, more of a, a just rigid methodology to say, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. And so agile to an extent, I don't think works for those real serious personalities like that. No, I would I would agree that I mean it's not organizational change is hard, but there are some people where truthfully are not going to make the turn. Either they don't want to or they're not mentally able to. Uh, Jorgen Hesselberg talked about it in his book that somewhere between 12 and 15 percent of any enterprise size organization's population will not be ready or willing to make that change, to make that yeah. transformation. And the and the truly transcendent part of good leadership is is recognizing those people, those, those areas and humanely helping them to find somewhere where they'll be happy. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think we, we, 
we automatically say, well, when such a person will make a change, we automatically say, oh, well, it's it's a reflection of us, and and it, you know, or it's a reflection on them, which is an even worse mindset to take. And we're not really humane about it. To your point about you know not being agile about our agile, not being humane about how we treat people with change, where you know not everybody is that accepting and can flip on the dime or, or create the space to be open to something new. We also don't always incent people to change. Yeah. Yeah. We do the opposite of that. Yeah, we do the opposite of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's, if I get paid more for my individual achievements and I get bonused more and I get better accolades, I am not incented to change and work harder as a team or work harder as a team member. Right. Yep. Very true. Very true. We've had, we've had discussions on this show that most of us are convinced if you really want your transformation to work, the first two departments you start with are HR and finance. Yeah, I've been I've been hearing that too. Roles yeah. and incentives in HR, mm-hmm. and then how you fund your work in finance. Mm-hmm. And then that that you basically paint people into a corner to say, here's how you're going to get your money for your department for your new work. Here's your new title, and here's how your bonus comes out. I, I again, my mentor one day in a in a drunken conversation said, you know, I'll bet if we rolled something out that said, look, everybody's involved in the transformation. Those of you that can prove you have adopted an agile mindset, an agile way of working, 20% bonus. Those of you that can't, no bonus whatsoever, you're on a pip. He's like, it's kind of dark and terrible, but we couldn't send a change that way. And then we both looked at each other and, and we've all worked in like banks and like financial institutions. And he looked at me and he said, company name deleted would probably go for this if I pitched it. And I looked at him, I said, yeah, don't ever, don't ever say that out loud to anybody else again, because- <laughs> Either they'll hear you or some consultant will hear you and try and sell it and it's not going to go well. But to your point, Alicia, incentivization is a big part of it. And if you don't create the the space for someone to to, to say, okay, well, I got to work this way now because of the old way, kind of sunk. And incentives are more than just money, but we just think of money is the quickest incentive that we think of. But if you create a learning environment and you incent people to be a part of that learning environment, what does that look like? Right. What is right. The, what um, are we learning? In, Jonathan Smart and BVSSH talks about inflict over invite. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can inflict the hell out of an agile transformation. It's not going to stick. There's no incentive there. Yeah. Yeah. And building on that, you have the infliction, your invitation, your inspiration. Mm-hmm. where people get it and they just run with it. Now they're coming to you to say, hey, Nathan, we're trying to do this. What do you know works? Or what have you heard works? That's, I, I think it is possible. I mean, if if we were really being nihilistic, we could do another episode on why transformations won't work in a company over a certain size. And we can really go down that rabbit hole because the longer I do this, the more I kind of think once you reach a certain size, it's just. Right. Do you remember back in the day? Do you remember way, way back in the day? I don't know. I don't know if I should use his name. Someone told me way back in the day, one of the original, like the oldies, said, you can't scale this. It's not meant to. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's why what came out of the snowbird, it was teams. It wasn't scale. Scale came in, what, years later. Mm-hmm. And not by those folks. Mm-mm. No, most of them have actually come out against it, if not disowned it entirely. Right. Yeah. I just think it's. Oh, I don't know. 
it's hard to scale energy. It's hard to scale motivation. It's hard to scale inspiration. It is. And it's not because those are all personal things, right, Alicia? Yeah. They're all personal. Yeah. It's different. It literally is different, different for every single person and every right. single. What is it? The pace of change is the pace of change. My pace of change is different than your pace of change is different than Nathan's pace of change. And I can't, I can't hold Nathan accountable for my pace of change or me accountable for his. What do you do with that? The 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 best analogy I can think of is. <clears throat> Pace of change is like PowerPoint. Change is like PowerPoint, right? So we've all been to that meeting where somebody gets up and they have a deck. And for some people, they move too fast. And it's, well, wait, go back. I wasn't done with the last slide. Mm -hmm. Some people, they move too slow. What are you doing? Go to the next slide. I've read this already. But yet we're stuck with the pace of the person presenting. And then cognitively, we go in different directions and it all just kind of falls apart. I think that same analogy can be done to a transformation where we go at a pace where some may be ready to go faster. Some may, be, some may need to go slower. And yet when we come in with a project plan or when someone comes in with a plan to say, this is how we're going to transform, again, you're, you've established a pace that maybe not everybody is operating at. And it's- It's a I'm so glad that Nathan has instruments in the background so I can get away with the musical references, right? It's the equivalent of every instrument in the band playing on a different time, yeah. but they all line up on the four beat. They all line up on the eight beat, you know, 16 bars later, 16 beats later, they all come back in. That's what change truly is in an organization. And yet we're, we're literally doing the equivalent of no, the timpanis need to play on the same time signature as the violins. Whereas polymeter is multiple signatures all layering over each other. It doesn't necessarily work for everybody. I'm sorry, Alicia, that was really a nerd reference, but. You lost me a smidge, but I mean, I'm still standing here, but I don't know what the hell you just said. So, so let me ask you both this. I'll start with you, Nathan. With, with all the discussion we've had with the, your experience with your show, with, with transformations as a whole, where, where is this going? Where's this world going? The world of the agile transformation, the world of the agile practitioner, where's it going? I wish I knew. Um, I, I can probably best answer that ooh, for me. I don't know. Um, it doesn't seem the innovation is there for transformations anymore. Now, keep in mind, I've only worked at big companies. Big companies want to buy and install or mm-hmm. adopt. That energy really isn't there. Um, the innovation for it is not there. The, they want structure. It, it To me, it feels like from where I sit that it is is just becoming another framework or methodology they can consider that they can just adopt and roll out and check some boxes and feel like they've done something. Um, so from a big, from, from that perspective, I, I don't know where Agile is going to go from there. I don't know where we are going to go. Um, then the other thing is, you know, these, we got, we have a whole generation of young people that are, are, coming into the workforce that are actually learning this in college. And I don't think they have the same um, innovative perspective 
that we do on how agile is used. They're, they're probably learning it and thinking about it as just another thing they can use to get somewhere and along, you know, along, along the same lines as waterfall or anything else they want to use. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I think is actually the next generation is just going to think of oh, this is agile. This is waterfall. Um, this is something else. We can just consider all these things and they're just ways to get things done. Ways to get things done. Good. Well said. Well said. How about you, Alicia? Where are we going? In the shitter. Um, <laughs> I think. I don't, I, I don't, I can't, pro, I can't prophecy. Like that just seems such a heavy question to answer, Jay. But I think, I think we need to discover really where we're at and what's going to serve us. The landscape is less patient than it's ever been. Mm. The, the younger generation is less patient. They don't, they don't need this shit. Um, the heavy handedness that comes with legacy systems and waterfall mentality, it's, it's gone when you look at the generation after us, they just don't bring it to the table. Right. And so I think they're going to say, what do we need to do to get work done to survive? And I don't think it's going to have the same labels and I don't think it's going to have the same rules. And I think right. the answer will be, how do we get to where we need to be? It's, you know how scrappy it was back in the day when Agile first, it was scrappy. It was, it was grippy, right? You just, you figured your shit out because there were no coaches to hire. There were no consultants who knew this stuff. There was no right. framework in place. There was XP, there was Scrum. There was a little bit of, well, lean product delivery was around. The Poppendicks, I always pronounce their name wrong. I feel badly about mm -hmm. that. They're quite lovely, but I always pronounce their name wrong. So there was a scrappiness to what was going on before. And I think we're going to see a scrappiness again. Unfortunately, in the middle of that scrappiness, there's all this bullshit infighting. So you have to sort of wade through the bullshit infighting to get to the other end of, well, what does it look like? And the answer is probably going to be, Back to what Ken Schwaber taught me way, way, way back in the day, which was, well, what makes sense? Put on mm -hmm. your thinking cap. What makes sense? What creates the least friction? And Agile, I learned, was the art of the possible. That notion is so far gone. Yeah. But I think that's going to resurface. I just think it's not going to be attributed to Agile. Yeah. I think no, it's, it's just, just going it to be attributed to this is just is this is just what yeah. we have to do to survive. So I think we're going to see a survivalist movement. And I think we're going to get rid of the labels of waterfall and agile and lean and this and that. And it's going to be, what do we need to do to get stuff done? And we're going to strip the labels off again. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we're going to see a shedding of some of the, the extraneous. Yes. BS. A shedding. Back Thank to, you. Back to what we, what we really need. So we're on. So last question, this is going to be a fun one. So we have a lot of people who listen to our show who are different levels of practitioners. We have people who are new to Scrum, new to Agile, uh, product owners, Scrum masters, product managers. We have some RTEs. We have a whole bunch of coaches, people from all different levels. So I'm going to start with you, Nathan. If you had to offer one piece of advice to someone who's getting into our world, either as a Scrum master or as a, as a product owner, or learning the Agile, you know, the Agile Zen, the Agile Yoda, 
What would you, what would the piece of advice based upon your experience, what piece of advice would you pass on? Oh, that's a tough one. Was that in the notes for the? No, no, oh, no. See. But this, this is my this is my stereotypical gotcha question. I've been I've been getting people with lately, and I don't want to add it because I don't want people to overthink it. There you go. That's good. Good call because I would have overthought this. <laughs> um, I'm going to say the one piece of advice I would offer is to. Um, this is tough. The, I would say transform if we could use that word, transform yourself um, as much as possible. Um, see yourself in, um, this, in this perspective where you're actually helping teams, people, organizations provide value. And when you see yourself doing that, forget about all the frameworks. Just, just forget about them. Forget about Scrum. Forget about Kanban. Forget about whatever, and see yourself sitting there helping people get to where they need to go. But transform yourself and see yourself in that way. Okay. Okay. Alicia, same question. What piece of come advice did you pass on? Come, on, I didn't get to go first. Nathan gave the good answer. Oh. <laughs> I can't win here. <laughs> no, there's no winning with us, Jay. That's why other people dropped out. Actually, <laughs> that's exactly why. Because it's we're the awful. Alicia and Nathan show. <laughs> we're awful together. What popped into my head when I heard you ask that question was: be practical. What can you do? What can you do given the circumstance? And also. Be dismissive of, of I, I mean, I grew up in software. Be dismissive of the legacy system thinking. Don't hang on to it. Don't accept it. Don't try and work around it. You know, the Kool-Aid man who used to bust through the brick wall? Mm -hmm. I feel like just go be the Kool-Aid man. But, but Nathan's also right. You, you have to transform yourself first. You have to have a level of self-awareness in order to be able to pave the way and create an environment where others can can follow. Perfect, perfect. So <clears throat> Alicia and Nathan, this has been a pleasure. I wanna thank you for your time. On behalf of Alicia, Nathan and myself, I wanna thank all of you listeners for tuning in once again. Uh, if, and just as a typical readout reminder, if you like what you heard, please give us a review, a rating on uh, PodHub, iTunes, your podcasting, podcast listening platform of choice. If you want to continue this conversation, we have a Discord server. It is quite vibrant. Uh, newest change we've had is we have an entire channel dedicated to clean language. So if that's something you're into, you might want to hop in and hop in on the dialogue. I also want to give a shout out to the Machine Man Records and the Artist Krebs for providing our outro music royalty free. So once again, for Nathan, Alicia, and myself, I want to thank you for tuning in. And until next week, this is the Agile Uprising podcast signing out. <laughs>